Well, you know, if there's not a shout from your mouth, there should be a shout in your heart because of what the Lord's done. I'll tell you what, though, it's going to be hard for me to shout today after my smoke alarm went off twice last night for no reason, but surely scared us out of our beds, for sure. Um, But I'm thankful that all is well, and everything is well because of what we just celebrated. The cross made everything well. If you're troubled about sin, if you're troubled about your conscience, if you're troubled about you're not measuring up, the cross took care of all of that. And it's by faith that we believe, faith we receive, and faith that we're relieved. We are blessed because of the work of the cross. And it is a beginning. The cross is a beginning. We move on from the cross. We don't just stay there. We go into what the cross has led the way for. And that's the kingdom of God. That's the eternal life. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is given to us as well. And as the church, we have a special a special uh, calling. And last week, if you recall, I was talking about the church as a, an incarnation. What is an incarnation? I'm just going to do a quick review here. The incarnation is the Lord took a body. At Christmas, we always celebrate that Jesus became flesh. God manifested in the flesh through a little baby and grew into who he was. And, and the Lord took a body, but then he comes into our lives and he comes into our, our souls and he, he moves through our bodies. And then we form the church together. The church is the people of God. We are called the body of Christ and the church is the head. And we talked about uh, how... The true body of Christ are those who believe and respond to his word. It's not just about worshipers coming to worship, having a church service. And you know what? There's so much of that out there. There's so many worshipers in church. And uh, don't get me wrong. Worship is something you do at church. Worship is a good thing. We want to worship. But... Just because you worship doesn't mean you're a functioning, healthy member of the body. The body, as we looked in Acts, in Acts 2.44, Acts 5.14, talked about those who believed were gathered, gathered together. Those who believed, those who responded. It doesn't say, well, those who came to worship, because we've got worship going on every street corner in America, and yet the church as a body is looking flabby, not looking very muscular, It's not looking very healthy. In a lot of cases, it looks like there's nothing there. Of course, we don't go by appearances, but we have to see ourselves biblically if we want to rise up in our high calling as the body of Christ. We don't have to be flabby. We can attend to the body, and uh, the church, I believe, still has great things ahead. In, In Daniel chapter 11, He talks about those who know their God will do great exploits. So we can look at the church situation and say there's not a lot going on, but I believe as we get into place where we're attending to the body, how many of you take uh, vitamins? I mean, vitamins are healthy supplements and things like that. Or exercise, exercise is healthy. Same thing you do physically, you got to do spiritually. And we're going to talk about that today, how to attend to the body and, and how Jesus has made the church a means of nutrients for this body. And of course, uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the head, right? He's the rock. Last week I talked about on this rock, I will build my church. And I believe and tried to defend this belief last week that 
the rock is the divine revelation of God. It is what God has revealed, and we respond to it, and we grow, and we're built up. And I read about rocks. Rocks have minerals. Their minerals are in rocks, and when minerals break down, they form soils. And the soils are filled with the nutrients from those minerals. And so the, the soils sort of mimic the environment of the rock. And I thought about how Jesus is the rock, and he, he provides the nutrients for us to grow. If we're in connection to the head, and if we're in relationship with him, we will grow. But that's not all there is to it, because he called Peter, you are the rock, Petros. And, uh, of course, we say that Peter it was not the first pope, and he's not the chief cornerstone of the church. Jesus is the head rock. Peter was a rock. And then in 1 Peter 2.5, it says that we are living stones. In other words, we are rocks. So we've got the nutrients coming from the head, Jesus Christ us, but we also provide nutrients for each other. We affect our environment, and this is how the Lord has has designed it so that we give nutrients to each other. That's why it's so important to come to church to assemble. Assemble means to get together, right? Now, during COVID, there was online church, and everybody became a televangelist. All the pastors became televangelists, started having videos and, and recordings and things like that. And th there's nothing wrong with that, and it's good if that's all you have. But the problem is many people stayed home when people could return. And you will get just a little bit of nutrients from watching a sermon or listening to a sermon online. In fact, you get nutrients from hearing a sermon, but this is only one part of it, and you're missing everything else if you're not assembled. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves, but exhort each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What does that mean? It means that we, are, we, we need each other as the day approaches. And somebody said to me once, a couple of times I've heard it different ways, well, I can talk to God without going to church. And, and, you know, it's about Jesus. It's not about going to church. Well, you can, and you, yes, but you're not going to grow if that's the way it is because God has purposed the church to be a vessel for growth. We're going to see that as we look at a passage in Ephesians today. But God, has, God is in his people and if you are not with his people, you are not going to grow the way he has designed it. In fact, uh, you know, some people say, well, I don't want to come to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites in church. Well, that wasn't God's design. And I'm sorry to say that, yeah, sometimes there are hypocrites in church, but we could always use another one. Come on in. <laughs> now, I'm not uh, saying it's okay to be a hypocrite, but let, come on, if we use that argument, we wouldn't go anywhere. There are hypocrites at Walmart. There are hypocrites at work, at school. Wherever you go, there are hypocrites, and you can't let something sour spoil the rest of the bunch. But the point is, is that's not God's design. We're to encourage each other, exhort one another, and um, you're not just coming for a worship service. We are, like Paul, the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, it says in 1 Corinthians 4.1. In Psalm 25.14, it says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So in other words, there is something very... Uh, mighty going on here. We have the mysteries of God. We are stewards of the mysteries. And you got to start thinking this way and getting excited about things. And I'm not just coming to church today. I'm not just going to sing some songs and hear a sermon, but I'm coming to be among the other members of the body to build each other up, 
to be in communion, not just with God, but with each other. And we have a mandate, which we're going to see as we look. I know this is a long introduction. Thanks for being patient. It's not going to be a forever sermon. It's not going to go on all long, but it is kind of a weight, uh, introduction-heavy uh, sermon here. But i got to build this up because it's very important to where we're headed in this message and as a church. So it's a matter of having grace for other people. It's a matter of ministering grace to other people. And the problem with online church and, and not being a part of a church family is you don't have that support. You don't have a family when there's a need. And that's part of the way that Jesus wants to grow us by ministering to one another. So I was saying we have the mysteries of God. In China, you know, I used to tell my students, I taught in Bible schools, house churches, and we'd have to hide sometimes and make sure the doors were locked and we'd have to look at who's knocking. And, and uh, I'd have to remind them, I'd say, you know, you're not just hiding here and doing something, you know, just a little insignificant group. Yeah, we are trying to stay out of trouble, but if you look at this from God's perspective, you are the mighty seeds that he is planting for when the Lord returns and this kingdom is going to sprout up. And even now, your presence here is subverting Satan's order. It's subverting the wickedness that's in the world, and it's spiritually overcoming things that we don't even uh, understand right now in our flesh and our senses. But there is mighty things happening because we're gathered together here. This is the power of God and the Holy Spirit. It's not according to what we see. It's, not, it's according to what's not seen. But you have to believe and understand the spiritual principles that are going on and what he has revealed in the Word. So it's very important to assemble. And as we assemble, he is the assembler. He is building us. He is nutrienting us, if I could use that word. But we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. I'm going to just take them a couple of verses at a time because this will really bring into display what I'm trying to say here, that there is a, a blessing and a work in the church, and it is the secret to everything as far as working through this life and building your relationship with Jesus and others. So in verse 4, 11 to 12, it says, he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I'm going to stop right there. He himself gave some to be these things. And if you backed up to Ephesians 4, 8, it says, he ascended on high, led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Here are the gifts he gave to men. The apostles, the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the teachers. And this is uh, what he uses for his supplies for his building. Remember, we are a building, the house of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be the house of the Lord. We are the people of God. He is building, and he's given some to build us up. And these are offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Every one of these could represent the staff on a church page. Now, I'm not saying that, that you're going to see Apostle Rick Bell or, you know, like that. But I'm saying that he gave these apostles, these, these 12 apostles, he gave the prophets, but there are still apostles working today. There are still prophets. They may not be big A apostles, big P prophets. It's new covenant. Actually, the word apostle just means messenger or missionary or someone who establishes. So uh, I'm not saying there's going to be another like Paul, although we can 
uh, have the effects that Paul had. In fact, Jesus was the greatest apostle, the greatest prophet, the greatest evangelist and pastor and teacher, and Jesus lives in his people. So what are you getting at, Pastor? I'm getting at this, that we all can function to some degree in these offices. It may not be our main calling. It may not be our main elect office in the place and scheme of the church, but we all have the Lord, the risen Lord, living on the inside of us. He has given to us these gifts to speak to our hearts, to build us up, to give us seed, and we, in turn, would give them out to others. And that's what it says then. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. All these things he gives for the equipping of us so that we can do the work of the ministry, which we in turn can equip others. And here's the thing. When it says equipping, the Greek word for equipping there is actually a word that really strikes home with us lately with my wife healing from a broken foot, but it means to set or to mend, like setting a broken bone. To set or to mend. To equip is to set or mend. So what does that mean? It means that sin and the old nature had us out of joint. Things weren't right. And Jesus sent some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists to to reset us, to, to mend us, to get us in place where we could be set and healed, where we could be put in position where we're not out of joint. And you have to be in a position where you're not out of joint if you're going to do the work of the ministry. Nobody wants to be ministered to by someone who's out of joint because of sin and because of the wrong beliefs and because of uh, being out of sorts with things. He has to be built up. She has to be built up. And then when we receive and we are healed, then we can turn and bless others. So that's what he's going to do. And it's for the work of the ministry. It's not just... Uh, the pastors or the elders that do everything for the church, we all have a significant role. And that's a blessing. One of the things it says is it's for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying now means to build up. That means bringing life. And did you know that one of the ways you yourself can be built up is by building up others? In fact, you know, if you're down, what's the best thing you can do when you're down? mope and gripe and complain and say, oh, why, I mean, Lord, and all this stuff. No, no, the best thing you can do do when you're down is to lift someone up. If you can encourage someone, give someone a call, or if you can be a blessing, it's going to touch your life. So we receive from the gifts that God gave to the church, and then we in turn give, and it's just a, a backward flow of receiving. You're receiving from the head, you're receiving from others as you pour out. Doesn't that sound like some kind of uh, plumbing system or something? It's just, if you're pushing out, it's coming back in. But as we give out, it comes back in. And that's the point. We get built up in uh, the book of James. It says to pray for one another that you may be healed. You're praying for someone else, but you will be healed. It's, if you want to be a blessing to someone, you will be blessed. And that's the building up. And the purpose of it is in verse 4.13. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's not coming unto 
uh, you know, we're not getting together here so that we can come to the best church service or the biggest building or the most people or things like that. That's not the purpose of all this, but so that we can come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And this is, uh, this is where the keynote that I want to bring out here. As I talked about, church is ecclesia. The Greek word for church means to come out. We're coming out from something, but we are not just called out just to be stuck. We are called out to come into. And here it tells us that we're to come into a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Perfect man doesn't mean uh, what it looks like in English. It means this is for man or woman, and it means complete that we come into a place of completion. In other words, we are coming into maturity. There is a process that the church helps us through, and as a process, it's a trajectory, and it's called discipleship. Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, and we have a lot of people that worship, but they don't believe. We have a lot of people that are converts, but they're not disciples. And that's when things aren't working, and that's when they can't handle the struggles. That's when the devil's going to have more authority in their lives. That's when things are just not in joint. God wants us in joint, and it's through the process of discipleship. So uh, what is a church supposed to do? The work of the ministry was the work of the ministry to make disciples, and what do we do? We become disciples so that we can lead others to be disciples. And so that they can lead others to be disciples. And that is the process that we are placed on. And that is the, what we're growing into as the church. And so it says that we would come into the measure of stature of fullness of Christ. It's not to become respectable men and women. Well, I'm a deacon at church. So don't, you know, I've been going to church for 50 years and, and so don't talk to me about this. It's not to become a respectable person. It's not to become a moral, good person. Oh, you church people, you're just goody-two-shoes. I don't care if they say that. It's not about that. But doing good is better than doing evil. But the whole point here is we're to come into the full stature of the fullness of Christ, the measure of the stature. What does the measure of stature mean? It means the same thing as a child grows into the measure of the stature of an adult. A child will grow and become an adult. A child doesn't stay a child. Coming into the fullness of Christ is where we're supposed to be. And none of us are there yet. We are on a trajectory, and we come into the fullness through discipleship. And part of our growing as disciples is that we're also making disciples, that we're leading people. And how do you do that? Well, that's another question. But right now, we're just thinking about the fullness. We're coming to the fullness of Christ. And do you know what that means to come to the fullness of Christ? You, you, you become as Christ. In 1 John 5:17, I think it is. It might be 4:17. But as he is, so are we in this world. We are as Jesus right now, but it's only to a degree. But we, as we grow, can become more into that fullness. What does Jesus say? How does Jesus view this? How do, what would Jesus do here? What is Jesus' communion and fellowship with the Father? We can grow into all this. What is, what is uh, his spiritual life and victory? 
the joy, you know, it says Jesus was a man of sorrows. That means I got to be sorry. No, he also says he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. We want that kind of gladness, right? We want that joy. We can come into that. That's the fullness of Christ that we're working. It is a privilege to be growing and to be promised that we are coming into this thing. Just like a child might look forward to the time they're adult. Now, I know some of us adults wish we could go back to being a child. But not so in the Christian growth process of the church. When we get into the fullness, we never want to look back. Because how could we have ever stayed back? We'll see. Because the fullness of Christ is the fullness of glory. God has called us to glory. And most of us, most of the time, don't feel so glorious. Amen or oh me. Uh, But, you know, if we look at things spiritually... This is the trajectory we're on, and this is the purpose of the church, that we minister, do the works of the ministry, have relationships with one another that we might be growing into the fullness of Christ. It's about maturing. And some people never mature, and they go to church for years and years and years, and they hear all kinds of teaching, 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 and they're not growing, they're just getting fat. Or you see churches that have tons of people. You know what? We don't have tons of people here. But we could actually be a, a more spiritually healthy church than a lot of churches with tons of people. There's, there's, there's growing and there's becoming fat. You know, A lot of numbers doesn't necessarily mean that people are maturing as disciples of Jesus Christ. That people are tasting and seeing more and more of the goodness of God in their lives and coming into this place of glory that he's promised. You see, we're looking at things that are unseen, the things that are eternal. But, you know, if all you're ever doing is learning, it says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, you could be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We should be maturing, and that's what it means to come to that perfect man. Verse 14 says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Man, there's a lot there. These next two verses, there's so much. But we should no longer be children. What would you think if you saw a teenager clutching a baby bottle? Well, if he was bringing it in to give to the resource center there, it would be okay, right? But no, I'm talking about if you saw a teenager clutching a baby bottle, you'd say something's wrong. Or, you know, how many uh, full-grown kids at home say, feed me. Dad, give me something to eat. Mom, give me something to eat. Well, there's the fridge. Get it yourself. What? You know, how do I do that? We have a lot of grown-up babies in church, and I'm not saying that to be mean, but, you know, it says, I've read different statistics that it says that uh, 60 to 80% of Americans call themselves Christians, and a great percentage of those may even be regular church attenders, and yet if they were true, maturing disciples of Christ, we wouldn't have problems in the world. We wouldn't have all the, uh, the business of, of all the darkness that's out there. It just wouldn't fly because people would be walking in the light. People would be walking as Christ. You know, discipleship, I believe, is the answer to this country's problems. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, we're in a culture war. And a lot of people are focused on that culture war. And we've got to go and point the finger and tell people what's right and wrong. And there's a place for that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But, you know, I think if we just focused on being mature disciples in Christ, the culture war would take care of itself. Because it would end up that people wouldn't be giving 
money to ungodly things and wouldn't be pursuing ungodly things and voting for ungodly people and things like that. It would work itself out if that 60 to 80% of Americans who call themselves Christians were really growing as disciples. And I'm not saying this to shame people or condemn people. When I talk about growing and becoming disciples, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip or say, this is hard work and you better tighten your belt because we are going to get busy. No, I'm talking about a joyful thing. This is a work of grace. It's all about grace because we can't grow ourselves. You know, you ever try to grow yourself? Right now, let's try to get taller. Ugh, ugh. A lot of Christians try to grow that way. I got to do better. I got to, oh, I got to feel something. All this stuff. It's all about grace. It's all about just getting the right mindset, being renewed in the transforming of your mind, being in place that you're in fellowship with the Lord, and He does the work. He does the growing, and it benefits the body. It makes the body healthy. And then you're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And, you know, this isn't talking necessarily just about being in a church that gives you strange doctrines or about with false prophets of the trickery of men. I believe, as another preacher has said it, that the false prophets are out there on television. Not the televangelists, they may be, but we're talking about the newscasters. How many false prophets of doom are on every mainstream news channel in these days? And you're carried about by every wind of doctrine that they're throwing in your face. And all the alarmism and things on Facebook. Oh, how many gullible Christians have reposted things on Facebook without checking for the accuracy and just playing into the hands of, you know, scattering scandals and things like that. I wish I could give an example. There's so many, and I can't think of any right now. But, you know, if you don't pass this along to someone, you're, you're going to miss the blessing. So people pass it on. You know, we used to get emails like that. You know, if you don't forward this, that's like a chain letter. Come on, let's not get tossed. In. That's not what discipleship is. That's not taking a stamp for Jesus, sending forth an email or saying amen to a post. So you, now you've done it. You've witnessed for Jesus. That's not it at all. How do you witness for Jesus? By growing into the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ and being an example to others and showing what it's like to trust in the Lord in a world that's gone haywire. And there's reward in that. So again, it's it, you're not getting tossed to or fro. You're not going to be... You're going to be stronger, not giving way to the craftiness of deceitful plotting. The Lord will give you eyes to see and, and understanding to know, oh, I don't have to follow that right now. This is, this is taking me off course. This is something that's just a distraction. And it says in, in the rest of the verse 15 and 16, but speaking the truth in love. There's the antidote to the lies and getting carried away by the winds of doctrine. You're speaking the truth in love. You're countering the lies. I don't care if they say the economy is going to collapse and we're all doomed. I'm going to counter that with the truth. The truth is Jesus is my Lord. The kingdom of heaven is my economy. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Whatever they're saying, I'm going to speak the truth in love, countering the lies. I hate watching TV, watching those drug commercials in which they tell you all the sicknesses and side effects you're going to get if you take our medicine, all this stuff, this, 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 and then do this, or you're, all, and I have to, if I don't say it out loud, I have to say it, you know, silently, this doesn't apply to me, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not under this system. You know, if you, something works for you and you use it, that's great, but I don't want to be bombarded with this all the time. The best thing to do is just to turn off the TV. 
But every now and then, we, we need a diversion, right? But speaking the truth in love, you've got to speak the truth to yourself and to each other. That's why assembling together, again, is so important. How can you encourage one another if you're not there? Or be encouraged if you're not there? And that's why it's good. We hang out after church sometimes. How's it going? We're talking. We're finding out. And it's why a men's group is a good idea, as Eric said, that we have uh, small groups so that we can be assembled and get to share things and help each other and minister to each other. Speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. It's Christ. Again, Christ is the head and we're led by the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Man, that's a lot there. Just reading it, I can tell that could go right through your ears and out the other. You're just looking at it. But just consider this. What is it really saying? It's saying how do we grow? It's by speaking the truth in love, by, by being people who counter lies to ourselves and counter lies in the world. We, we are people of the truth, and you know the truth through the word, and we are people who do together, joined and knit together. We supply what others lack. We, we are a, a body that works. If, if part of the body isn't working, it's going to lose its ability. And you can do something I can't do, and I can do something you can't do. And together, we, we are following our head, led by the head, Christ, then the body can do something and it gets edified. There's the output again. It edifies itself as it is working. It's not just, you got to work, you got to work. But you know what? When you start working, your body is in, in the place of proper functioning. You're a happier being. When your body works, you're a happier being. When your body's out of joint, when it's stiff or there's pains and stuff, you're like, oh, man, I would do so much more. I could do so much more if I felt better. And we all deal with this in the flesh, right? But spiritually, it's the same thing. Together, if, we're, if part of us aren't functioning, it's like having that pain or stiffness. We can, might still get by, but how much more we could do if everybody's in harmony? How much better would the head feel if everybody's in I'll bet Jesus says a lot. Uh, I mean, I mean this in reverence, but oh, my back. You know, something's not right there. Well, something's not functioning. Now, he doesn't say that. He's healthy. But what I'm saying is, how much happier would he be to see a church functioning in harmony till we all come to the unity of faith? That doesn't mean that we all agree with everybody or that we all have the same flavor of worship and things like that, but we are united in faith, walking and growing as disciples where we're maturing and coming into that fullness of Christ. And that's who we can align with. We don't have to have unity at all costs. A lot of people in the world are shouting, everybody's got to be unified and then they compromise uh, doctrines, they compromise the unnegotiables sometimes, and, and that's not what unity is about. That's, that's the devil's unity. We're going to be, sometimes it's going to be Jesus brings a sword. He doesn't bring peace, but a sword. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the truth, and sometimes that's going to be divisive. But that's a whole other issue, and I'm getting off track. But here's the whole thing. Again, discipleship, the church, you're not just coming for worship. It's not just for that purpose, but it is a platform. It is a platform to become healthy, and you don't even have to lift weights and do uh, push-ups like at a fitness club, but this is a fitness place. It is what Jesus has designed to build us up. And it's not just the worship service I'm talking about, but it's every one of us working together, and as we go 
forth to reach the community. How do we do that? Well, we work together, and each of us sees ourselves as a minister. Well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist, but you are a minister. And I always remember, it always affected me, someone said once he was golfing with someone, and, and uh, someone asked him, well, what do you do? And he said, I'm a minister of the gospel. Oh, really? And, and the guy was a businessman, he worked for a company, but he chose that to uh, say to his friend when asked, he said, I'm a minister, and he wasn't lying, because wherever we are, that's, that's who we are. And that's a privilege, and it's a blessing, and it's what's going to help you be ministered to. When you minister to someone else, it helps you to be ministered to. The head is pleased when the body is in harmony and working. And if we're not functioning with other parts of the body, we're not healthy. But together, as it says in Leviticus 26, verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. We can do it. And it all comes ultimately through relationships. Your body is your body has relationships with itself. You know, if something's not working, not moving, the relationship needs to be mended, right? And relationships with each other. God is in his people and God is full of grace and this place is a place for grace. It's a place to have grace for those who might be your sandpaper people, people who rub you the wrong way. But that's where grace, you get built up and you grow, grow in grace. And it might be a place where you administer grace. Somebody needs your word of encouragement. Someone needs your help. You administer grace. But it's all about these relationships, and Christ is in these relationships. And that's how we have more fellowship with him. That's how we're in more in communion with him. And then, ultimately, our relationship with him is the head. That's our personal times with the Lord, our personal obedience and walking with him in day-to-day life. But it's a, it's a three-way relationship. It's a relationship with God and you. And it's a relationship through you with others. And then it's a relationship, the result of that, how we relate to the world. And I believe that this is the key to growing a church. It's not the marketing, the door hangers, postcards, although we've got some of those, and you can get the word out. Use those invitation cards and pass them on to someone. But really, it's the relationships that are going to bring people to Christ. And again, that's the major thing, that we want to make disciples. Whether they come to this church or not, I hope they do, but the important thing is that we make disciples and we, we grow as we do that. And that will put us over. That will be the victory and that will be the glory. You come into the glory of Jesus and then you start to look back and say, why did it take me so long? Why did I wait so long? And and, 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 you know, if you make a decision today and say, I'm going forward in my walk with the Lord like this, and I want to be more of an output, you know what? You're going to encounter some difficulties because that puts a target on you. And, uh, but take it from me. You're looking at me. I can smile. I've had this target on me, <laughs> and, I've, and it's not fun at times. But I can tell you, as you start moving forward, you don't want to go back. And you've got something that, uh, that uh, will get you through. You've got the Lord. He's with you, and he's not going to let you be. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You don't go through life and say, oh, the devil's beating me up, and oh, man, what am I going to do? You go through life saying, no, Jesus has already defeated you, devil, and you can try, but you're not going to succeed. 
And that's the authority that we have. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When did he say that? When he told him to go make disciples. If Jesus is with you, there's nothing to fear. But there's only great reward to be had. So I hope you're with me. Are we all still together? Are we functioning well? I'm going to declare prophetically that this church is going to function well together. And even if we've already been functioning well, we're going to even get better. And the body's going to work. Amen? In Jesus' name. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your promises and thank you for how you have designed things and that you are in each of us. Help us to grow and to know. Help us to know you and to know each other, to know you through each other. And I pray, Lord, that you just inspire us, give us wisdom and encouragement in the days ahead that we might glorify you and, and, uh, and to see you, your works and to be able to boast and testify of your works as we move forward in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.